Welcome to the Design the Future podcast, where we talk with women leading the way toward the better built world. Design the Future is hosted by me, Lindsay Baker, with Kira Gould. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Women in Sustainability Design the Future. We're so happy to be back with you for another week of good conversation and commiseration over the continuance of our uh, of our quarantines. Uh, it's, an, it's another week. Here we are again with you, uh, hoping to provide a little a little light and a little comfort. Uh, this is Lindsay. This is Kira. So glad to be here. How are you, Lindsay? I am all right. I'm all right. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, we are getting to almost a year of this thing, and um, it's bringing all sorts of emotions up, I guess. Uh, but today, just feeling that same sort of like I've just never been a routine person. I've always known that about myself, and so having been forced into a routine for a year has been a real um, it's been a real experience, a real emotional experience. Uh, yep. Not all bad, for sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've just been reflecting on that recently. Like, what has that really meant? And what, what have I learned about myself? So that's how I'm feeling. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, there's a lot of articles going around about, you know, the year anniversary. And of course, as you know, in my world, the year anniversary that we are disappointed to be celebrating has to do with kids being out of school for a year and what that yeah. really feels like for various families, um, which is, you know, has, I think, a, is a growing source of frustration for a lot of folks, but it's also a really complicated question. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining like, I mean, there's been, I don't read a lot about it because I don't have kids, but like some of these questions of what it, what it means to be a kid right now and like how, you know, I don't know, I guess I just was so school centric as a kid, like you, everything about your life has to do with these interactions that you have and you're like, you know, when you, when you go to school, like that's the thing. It's just so yeah. hard to imagine that feeling um, of, of not having that anchor. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's good in some ways. It's sort of like the way that we define ourselves with our work. Maybe kids have found ways to define themselves. I think some have, and I think it's, it is a mixed bag in that sense. I think that a lot of kids and particularly kids that maybe didn't love school as much have really, you know, some of them have sort of blossomed in, in, in in certain ways, but um, my, I've an only, and so he's, you know, he has, very little access, you know, he sees some, some few small groups um, of kids from time to time, but really needs a lot more socialization with peers. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, socialization, so, it's an important part. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can say I'm honestly losing my socialization these days, so I can only imagine what it's like for a developing mind. <laughs> totally. I feel the same way. I know I'm completely, I feel like we're all, well, I don't know, there's a certain amount of regression going along, going, going on for a lot of a lot of demographics for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that is interesting. I've been thinking about this recently, uh, sort of thinking more in this blurry space between our work and our lives about like the future of cities and the future of work. And um, one of the things that I, I think about a lot is the ways in which cities help to make sure that we have connections. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we kind of know this. It's very classic, like Jane Jacobs type of yep. philosophical 
points about cities, but I have been thinking about how, like, I notice because I live in a city pretty close to lots of people that there really are lots of lots of families, lots of communities that seem to be making making it work, like having yep. a lot of social interaction within a pod or whatever it is. Right. Uh, and, and like, I, I, I think there's something, like, but yeah. I think, uh, and I think as a result, it's feeling more, um, more severe to me, the, the lack of social interaction than what I witness of people in my community around me who, and I'm seeing them and they like are hanging out with their, you know, big, like a, a family, like an actual family. I'm like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's different. Well, yep. I find myself seeking out, um, little, pieces of community. I mean, for a while, the farmer's market was like, I would not miss it because it was my only, and it was outdoors. So it felt very safe. Everybody's masked. And, but it was my only chance to like, see the people. (laughs) Otherwise I'm just in my room with my people and my people, you know, it's, it's a small or a small family unit to your point. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. I'm, I'm going to work on it. I think I've decided I need to find ways to to work on like feeling like I have a bigger, (laughs) bigger community that, you know, has, has more of those connections built into it. So it's a lifelong search, but you know, anyway, I think it's a a project, I guess I should say. Um, But speaking of connections, we have an amazing guest with us this week and we should go ahead and introduce her because I am excited for the time that we have with her today. Um, so yeah, we have Kirsten Ritchie with us today from Gensler. Welcome, Kirsten. Hello. It's great to be here with you and Kira. Yeah. Well, so thank you for joining us, Kirsten. We're thrilled to have you. I'm going to do a quick bio here and then we'll jump into some questions. Kirsten is a global resilience leader and principal at Gensler which is one of the world's largest architecture firms. And I saw just recently that Fast Company um, named Gensler as one of the most innovative architecture firms for this year, 2021. Um, She champions healthful and forward-thinking design solutions and leading public discussion around innovative and high-performance design and operations. Kirsten has experience working in many sectors and at all scales, and she is a recognized authority in green product standards and sustainability rating systems and serves on several boards and advisory groups. Um, thanks, Kirsten, for being here. And I think it would be great if to get started if you could tell us a little bit about how and why you got involved in architecture and the sustainable buildings industry and, um, and what has been your path, really. Sure. So, you know, it's actually, I think my path, like many of us who are probably in the sustainability um, building realm or kind of some of the forward thinking movements, um, it was, it's not traditional by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I was very fortunate early on, actually in sixth grade to make the decision and know that my path from a professional perspective was going to be in being an engineer. Um, I had a chance when I was traveling with my dad to visit a, um, Silver mine actually was deep in the heart of the um, of the Honduran jungle, um, and got connected with the plant manager there, who was a Scot, and he was taking me around and he was saying, you know, what is it you like in school? Getting back to the school subject, right? And I said, oh, I love math and I love science. And he said, well, this is math and science come to life. It's engineering. It's like whoa, you know. Um, and so they have at that young age having kind of that just mentor, somebody who's opening your eyes, was um, was was really great for me. And um, 
how I actually got onto the sustainability side really fell into it. So I was on my engineering path studying at Berkeley and um, studying water resources and geotech because there wasn't an environmental engineering thing at that point in time, shows you how old I am. Um, but the, I had a chance to, be, be, to intern with the Regional Water Quality Control Board, which is one of um, the, the nine regional boards that we have here in California that are responsible for protecting water quality. Um, and that's groundwater as well as surface water. And uh, while I was an intern there, we had a, a new state law had been um, put in place that required all landfills to be inspected to see what kind of impacts they might have been having on groundwater. You know, so this was really kind of the whole emergence that point of time where we were realizing the impacts of all the stuff that we were burying in the ground um, and it was contaminating our groundwater aquifers. Um, and so, you know, at the ripe age of 18, 19, I was out there marching around landfills, which I had never been to in my life. Um, you know, growing up in the city, the garbage just went away. And, you know, really was just, you know, kind of surprise where you, you know, you're out at these landfills, beautiful, like there's all, you know, all across the Bay here in San Francisco is old landfill. And I was inspecting a lot of them and you'd be looking out and seeing, you know, sailboats sailing along the Bay, people fishing on the edge. And then right behind you, these huge pieces of equipment were shoving stuff into a hole in the ground and you go up to the hole and it's full of water and there's, you know, raid cans and furniture pieces and old mattresses and all kinds of stuff going into this hole. And you walk out to the water's edge and see this black ooze going in and out. And you're saying, hmm, yeah, this is not good. Um, and so I, you know, I truly, I fell into it. Fortunately, I never fell into the landfill hole, but um, I fell into saying, hey, we need to be much more responsible about our stuff. And the way we manage stuff has a huge impact on our own health and also about on the planetary health. And so, uh, so that's kind of how I really, you know, dove into, I'm going to be all about, um, doing the right thing, getting us to do the right thing. And, um, you know, for, we didn't really, we weren't using the word sustainability at that point in time. It was much more environmental, you know, environmental protection. But my path was focused on that, graduated, then, you know, did the standard thing from an engineering perspective, civil engineer, went to work for a local county public works agency. And because of my experience with landfills, actually got engaged with um, developing the solid waste management plan for the county. Um, and side projects while I was doing that is I set up the first office paper recycling program um, in the county, set up with the first household houses waste collection program actually in Northern California during that point in time. So, you know, again, really focused on more on the waste side and what we were doing and how to, how to cause those to not be a problem. And, uh, you know, from then on I migrated, I really wanted to have experience. I had at that point in time worked in, you know, uh, on government side from a regulatory perspective, from a, a, a you know, kind of a planning, um, you know, public works perspective. And I really wanted to have a private sector experience. And so I, you know, went the route working for some consulting companies, um, again, kind of doing more landfill waste management stuff, you know, did that for a number of years. And um, then, then finally was, and actually um, during that, I also went to work for a waste management company and built the first um, multi-material recycling facility down here in, in, in near Fremont. And, um, but, you know, after a while I was getting kind of tired, I was getting beaten up a lot um, from mentally, let's say, just um, with all the stuff that we have, you know, the, the nimbyism that went into play when we were trying to build a recycling facility, which was so good, you know, it just, it kind of wears you down. So I took a little break spent five years in high tech. Um, and so that was really good working with data and then got laid off because of the dot-com thing. And so I um, 
said, all right, well, you know, I was kind of uh, tired of commuting around doing all that data work. Um, and I wanted to get back into my environmental roots. I just said I needed to do that. So I um, said, I'm going to work, I'm take a job and do the 20, the 20 minute life. I want something that's in Berkeley, Oakland or Emeryville. Um, and I want it environmental. And I ended up with a job with scientific certification systems, now known as SCS Global. And I was able to really meld the data work with the environmental background and helped to develop a number of the green product standards. Um, that like, for example, some of the first, you know, recycled content standards, low emitting product standards, and through that got engaged with um, USGBC and LEED. And, um, and, you know, because that was really forming at that point in time, and really, you know, looking at saying, rec recognizing the impact of particular materials in the built environment. And so that's really kind of where I made the pivot and went from the cleanup side to really going to the kind of like, let's do the right thing from, from, you know, from the get go. And it's been, you know, five years with SCS, it was a great time and then landed with Gensler, um, where I've now been close to 15 years coming from my 15th year anniversary. So, you know, the my career has definitely been not a ladder, like I like to say, think of your career as a jungle gym, not a ladder you know, very, in some cases, opportunistic, but always with the passion and the core of, I really want to deliver right, you know, good things. I also am not somebody who likes to do things, the same thing over and over again, you know, really kind of, I like to blaze trails, activate people and things. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's taking that kind of trailblazing when you're working in these new areas and, and you know, just with timing was just great. Yeah, man, there's so much there. I remember meeting you um, when you worked at SCS. And I remember you as, you've always been that type of personality, like the, the trailblazing thing. So I'm not entirely surprised to hear all of the firsts in your, in your career. I had no idea about like the, the um, multi, what was it that you called it? The recycling center with like all the, yeah, yeah. multi-material. Yeah, that is um, amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool to hear that. And I, I want to, um, especially because I remember you at those times at the beginning with, with, with LEED and USGBC, when there were a lot of um, very impassioned arguments about um, what LEED should become. So I want to ask you what you feel like are the downsides of being a trailblazer. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> well I, yeah, you know, maybe from a silly perspective, but one of the things is trying to explain to people what you do. You know, that elevator pitch is really tough because <laughs> yes. you're working in new areas. People aren't familiar with the vocabulary. You know, it's like, mm. and <laughs> so, you know, it's like, oh, I clean up landfills or, you know, I, I develop green building standards. And it's like, what's a green building? You know, uh, what's a landfill? Um, and uh, so, I, you know, that's on the fun, that's on the kind of more the silly side. But I think um, more seriously, you know, there's the, the whole one is the challenge to kind of keep yourself positive, right? Really, you know, kind of um, saying you, you have to have a solid core saying, I know what I'm doing is right. Recognizing that, you know, things will change, you learn things and we need to maybe shift and pivot. But you at the, at that moment, you always have to be very positive and strong in your convictions in order because um, the people that you're kind of trying to convince need to see that you have that confidence and need to see that that, that you really believe that this is the right thing because then slowly but surely, and it takes a lot of time, um, you know, they'll start to pivot and start to come with you um, and, and, and really move in, um, you know, kind of uh, come along. 
So I think that's the, you know, keep staying positive for yourself, but also as you're trying to make, the, you, know, to, uh, you know, trying to um, do the convincing. We, we really do get a lot more done, I think, with smiles and positive attitude and, and collaboration uh, than it's my way, the highway or no way. And, um, and so keeping that mentality, keeping that, keeping that point of view, I think is, is, is something. It's also, I think another thing on the downside of being a trail, trailblazer is that, you know, if, like if you look at all the big major inventors and stuff, many cases very, you know, yes, they have a team behind them or a team with them, but they're, you know, they're, they're the passion driven person. And when we talk about the built environment, um, it, you know, buildings don't get built by a single person. And it, it really takes a village, right? It's the, it's the client, it's community you're putting the building in, it's uh, the builder, it's the engineering team, it's the, it's the it's architectural team. And the, just having that, that, um, that confidence and really always pushing to, to engage, recognize that they're you know, on a different schedule or path than you are, and that you're gonna need to you know, regroup and you just continue to push forward the messages. Yes, I love that. Um, I, that resonates with me, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate you answering the hard question because I, I just think it's a really fascinating thing to have to navigate that, and um, and I think you've done it really well. And I've always appreciated the positive energy. Uh, it's always a delight to have, and it, like maybe not even a delight to have, but necessary, as, as you said. Um, so yeah, but being thank an you optimist is really important, you know. Yes, yes, and, and having a good sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but laughter is important. Okay, well, so a question for you, if you just zoom out, we want to talk a little bit about your work. Um, can you tell us what you're most proud of having accomplished so far in your career? What What are the highlights? What's the biggest highlight? Oh, gosh, there's, there's, there are lots of really, high, you know, big highlights. But I think the, the, this general idea of really being an activator, being a trailblazer, um, in, in really shifting how we approach, you know, the design and operations of the places that we, um, the places and spaces that we that we spend all our time in, right? Both from a how what we've done and how we how I've activated and helped trailblaze on making these places better for people, you know, healthier environments kind of, again, tackling things from, you know, what's coming off our materials that are, that, that we need to be concerned about and, and, and really, you know, handling that better, but then also being better for the planet itself, you know, living in harmony with, with our, with our planet from a using materials better, you know, driving recycled content, building, building it better, um, you know, smarter, more energy efficient. And um, I think it, it, it is, you know, kind of the overall general movement Individually, project-wise, I think, you know, the things from the days early on, I guess, you know, we're getting people engaged in office paper recycling kind of, you know, early on. I mean, that was 40 years ago, right? Driving circular economy conversations and, you know, the, the building of these mixed-use facilities to now, you know, really with Gensler and having the opportunity just we're doing wonderful work and really, really trailblazing um, the activities that we're doing on getting to carbon neutral buildings, right? Or carbon zero, or even carbon positive buildings um, that at the same point in time really are wonderful assets to the community from their function, as well as are wonderful places that people wanna be. Um, you know, it's bringing, it's bringing the beauty as well as the function together. That's just so, so satisfying. 
That's great, Kirsten. Um, and that's a perfect segue because I, I wanted to next ask you a little bit about Gensler specifically. And, and I thought maybe first of all, if you could tell us a little bit about Gensler's commitments around the environment and climate, just to set the stage for the work that you're doing. Yeah. So um, Gensler actually really stepped up, I think, to the plate from a, um, it was a and really lead helped it um, in the kind of uh, early uh, mid 2000s, shortly before I kind of came on board. And then we, you know, we really progressed that really, you know, bringing in a lot of um, evaluation and understanding of the impact of our projects and how we can, how can we reduce the impacts. Um, I think the, the more recently, two big things. One is our our overall Gensler City Climate Challenge that we we issued out as part of um, our, our work with the with the UN um, Climate Summit back in 2019. You know, saying, hey, we really need to step up and um, partner with everybody to really kind of tackle this climate thing. And then last year, very specifically coming out and saying, you know, our expectation is that all our projects are going to be net zero carbon by 2030. And, you know, we touch 5,000 projects over a billion square feet of space a year. Um, so that's a big, that's a big jump, but it's so exciting. And, and now we're, you know, really pushing on, um, on how we're going to get that done. It is exciting. And um, it's, I think really inspiring for the industry to see such a big player make such very direct commitments. And I, but it really it confers a responsibility as well and a kind of accountability within the industry. Um, and how do you see Gensler's role in advancing the industry? Um, so we we you know really recognize. I mean, again, we've been you know moving along the, the the perspective of improving the performance of our projects, but we really you know kind of recognize that we need we we work in so many different practice areas, right? I mean, we've got teams that are working on airports, and we have teams that are working on retail rollouts, and we have teams that are working on, of course, on a lot of workplace, and understanding what it means to get to carbon neutral or climate positive, um, at the same point in time delivering you know optimal well-being environments is different for those different practice areas. There's different drivers, there's different impacts. And so Gensler actually stepped up late last year and made the investment and said, we are going to um, you know, basically align and, and identify what we call our global uh, practice area design resilience leaders. And we're gonna have one for every single practice area. So somebody that really you know, understands the clients that are in that practice area, but really what the drivers are and the process by which we are we can deliver on that on that climate commitment. So we now have uh, 25 um, basically design we call them design resilience leaders that cover the whole host of sustainability climate action um, for each of our practice areas. Big investment, big step out for the firm. And um, so we're, you know, really excited to see how that's going to kind of shape the conversation and really help um, it move things forward quickly. As I mentioned earlier, it does require a village to actually deliver on this. And so the other, you know, part of this is really partnering with clearly our clients, very much so, but also the building community, our contractors and our supply chain, all the manufacturers, because it's going to take all of us really stepping up our game to be, be able to deliver on on net zero, um, on carbon-free buildings um, by 2030. Yeah, it's a big step for sure. Um, but it's that's really intriguing um, to see that uh, investment in the practice areas, the way that you guys are doing it. Um, it. Just to shift slightly, is there a project that you're working on right now that you'd like listeners to know about? 
Oh, of course, my beloved SFO airport. And I haven't been able to be in it for a little while because of this COVID plague thing, but, you know, looking forward to getting back. So when I came to Gensler, I didn't mention it, but when I came to Gensler, one of the first projects I started to work on was the um, renovation of Terminal 2, which was one of um, SFO's first lead gold project. And since then, we've been working on a number of other terminals there. But the most recent one is the renovation of Terminal 1, which is a, a um, large terminal servicing, um, servicing a number of different, uh, different airlines. And SFO, San Francisco, you know, being part of the city of San Francisco had made certain commitments saying we really want, you know, we're going to do the best we can from a performance perspective. We want to go for lead gold, maybe lead platinum. But we're also really, we want to get to, we want to start tackling this carbon thing. And so with that project, we've been able to um, really push the envelope on reducing embodied carbon. We're basically taking it so it's almost all electric and they get greenhouse gas-free electricity from Hetch Hetchy water system. Um, we started to, to really tackle embodied carbon and we've been able to reduce the footprint over 20% through smart sourcing of low carbon steel and concrete. And, you know, and, and so overall, I mean, because of the efficiencies, we figure we've reduced the carbon footprint of that project because it's a renovation, significant renovation of the existing building by about 79% over a 50 year life, which, you know, and taking both embodied and operational into account. And at the same point in time, we just also received Fitwell, a two-star certification, first, um, first airport to um, be Fitwell certified, you know, which really demonstrates because of what we're doing from the, from the health side, because they, they run in tandem. We don't want to compromise well-being environment for energy efficiency or carbon reduction. So um, that it's just, it, it's been a wonderful project and really having a client that's really pushed this all out and is willing to share the information, which is so great. It's like we can, you know, be sharing some of the specs we've developed. We can be sharing, you know, the pluses and minuses of all the evaluations of the products um, elements that we were working on. So yeah, SFO was great. Yeah, SFO is huge. It's such an accomplishment. I can't wait to go. <laughs> I mean, not just for reasons associated with travel, but like, I don't know. I think I'm excited about, I'm excited to see what a fit well airport space looks like and feels like because I really I, I love the idea that that these spaces can can be more supportive of of our health in lots of ways and I think it's super cool um, congratulations on it it's amazing thank you um, yeah so okay so we want to talk a little bit about about the movement you've been in this community for a really long time for you know like I mean for, I think a lot of people are newer <laughs> to, the, to the world of green building than you are. Um, well, that all three of us are, I guess, but uh, yeah, you know, you clearly, you, you must have adopted some attitudes at this point about how you think it's going. And so I guess the first question I want to ask is when we ask a lot of our guests about how you think of yourself in all of this. Um, so specifically, do you feel like you're a part of an industry? Uh, do you feel like you're a part of a movement? Do you think of it as both? How do you how does how do you understand yourself and all that? Yeah, so I definitely think and feel that I'm part of a movement. Um, so you know that is uh, it, it is that, and it's a movement that affects a lot of different industries, but it's not necessarily industry. Um, and actually, I don't I really want to see it as an industry. I think we'll have most success when we don't have to have this, you know, standalone movement about building buildings greener or more sustainable or healthier. Um, it's just the way it's done, right? 
one, you know, who knows when we'll get to that point. It's definitely more movement. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I get it. And I'm, I'm with you. Um, all right. Well, tell us about how you think we're doing. Did you think, did you have visions of where we would get to in the year 2020 or, you know, now we're in 2021? Like how, how do you think, uh, how do you think it compares to your vision so far? Uh, well, on the one hand, I've been, you know, happy about it. I don't, it, we're not where I thought we would be. I'll be honest. I really expected us to be much further along. I, you know, I, this hope maybe it's that optimist in me was really hoping that there would be a larger tranche of the building community that would get with it and say, I'm not just, you know, designing the performance based on code minimums. Um, you know, I always say that's just the stay out of jail card. You really, you know, we should be, but there's, you know, we've, we've not been able to move that needle much, as mu nearly as much. I think, however, with the focus on carbon and climate, less so on energy efficiency, that we're at a big tipping point. And I think we're going to see much faster movement. You know, hopefully I'm not being optimistic, but I think we're definitely going to be seeing much faster movement over the next five to 10 years um, as we really drive. I think that, you know, from a client perspective saying that we, global Fortune 500 companies as well as finance companies coming on board and saying this climate thing is important. We need to really be tracking what we're doing carbon. Um, the improvements in our, our eyes being opened about decarbonizing our fuel supply, um, you know, even more important than I think in reducing the energy use um, that we're using. We are at a big tipping point. That's very exciting. Yeah, I, I agree. There is something really fascinating about the way that we've realigned around carbon. Um, that I just think it helps us keep the end goal in mind better than we had been, which seems obvious in retrospect, but it wasn't before. <laughs> very true. Uh, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, what? Um, where do you think we've done really well? Where do you think we haven't done as well? I guess that, I guess there's, let me think anything more like where, what are, what are your favorite accomplishments or like things that you feel like have, have happened in a good way for the, for the movement? Well, you know, it's <laughs> what we've done. Well, um, it's interesting because almost anybody you talk to these days know what lead is. So like, well, that's good, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, yeah. What, people have an idea what a green building is, so that's good. Um, I think that actually is really good. I think that we have done, um, we've we've made really good progress, particularly on kind of like a healthy um, healthy building side. I think we're going to have some interesting opportunities to leverage even kind of what we're learning from COVID and the importance of outside and outside air and you know what that's going to mean and how that's going to help help us push forward many things that we felt was really important like more outside air, better access to, to great daylight. I mean those those sorts of things. And uh, so I think that's you know that's really, really good. Energy efficiency of buildings that to me is still kind of troubling. I mean, there's some work, like I think Lindsay, you were the one who was pointing out downtown San Francisco, there's nobody there. And yet those buildings are using almost the same amount of energy. It's like, hello, what's with this? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a problem, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are we eating it and there's nobody there? You know, it's like, oh. um, yeah. so. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's, it's, isn't it amazing sometimes that just like those things that we, 
it's just we just don't think about it from that angle right. very much and then every once in a while you discover things I feel like that's been so we've had so many moments like that in the green building movement in the past 20 years of just being like oh we should have been thinking about that or like you know just thinking about it from these different angles it takes so much time we get so focused on the sort of the definitions we use or the whatever our, our the, the lists that we have for what to do and what not to do that we sometimes yeah. don't pay attention to <laughs> yeah like all all the other ways to think about what we need to be focused on um but yeah no I, I love that I think that's really right and I mean you know so much to be proud of um in there all right well so we have one last question for you uh which is who you're most inspired by these days it could be anyone uh, or anything even um, that that keeps you going. Okay, so um, I think to that, yeah, it, it, an oldie but goodie, um, and that's Charles Dar Darwin, um, a few centuries ago. But you know, his whole understanding and ex and explaining to us about the evolution of the species and how we constantly change and nature constantly changes. And that mm -hmm. for me has always been an inspiration, um, a recognition that, you know, what you, what you did tomorrow um, probably needs to be different than what you're going to do. Um, what you did yesterday needs to be different than what you're going to do three days from now, because the world constantly changes. And yet, you know, it's we've we've evolved ourselves as people to kind of say we want status quo. We like the same thing. Um, and so I always have to fall back on Charles and say, you know what, we're not going to change the speed. We're not going to change evolution species. That's going to happen. And and so how do we how do we design? How do we live? How do we work right? He's a great one. And then I also have to say, you know, our one our co CEO Diane Hoskins, he, truly truly an inspiration. I mean, has somebody who you know has such great design chops, has such a passion about um, how places perform for people, and pushing forward our carbon and climate initiative. She always comes back to me and says, yeah, Kirsten, I know you were telling us we need to do this 10 years ago. Sometimes it takes a little while, but we've gotten it. We're doing it. We're moving it forward. And, you know, I, that I really get inspired and, and um, really appreciate being part of, her, part of her team. And then third, it's more just the general, you know, it's everybody that's really working in this initiative. All of us, the climate leaders, all of us that every day are having to, you know, get up, stand up again, be positive, move forward, recognize the importance of this initiative, um, recognize there can be a lot of stumbling blocks, but for the for just the collective group, all of you, Kira, Lindsay, all the folks that really helped develop the lead rating system over the years that are continuing to move forward, whether it's, you know, kind of with EC3 on a body carbon, but all those things collectively, I'm just so inspired by, by all of you and love to kind of consider you all family. I love that. I consider you family too. I think That's it is. That's wonderful. Just, yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you for that. And and I do. I mean, I totally agree. It's to some degree, it's just being inspired about the fact that we get to be in a community and to be and to be just to to know that the community around you is there for the same reasons. And I don't know. It's a blessing. Um, and thank you also as a blessing for being here on the podcast. It's been really wonderful to have you. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks. Uh, so much. All right. Well, that is it for us this week. Um, I hope you all are out there appreciating and loving on the people that are fighting alongside you for whatever kind of change you're trying to see in the world and that you manage to get some breaks and 
treat yourself well and all those things that we need to get through these times. Uh, so that's it for us this week on Women in Sustainability Design the Future. Thanks again to Acuity for hosting and to you all, our listeners. Please leave us a review on Apple. It really matters. It helps people find us. Stay safe and we'll see you next week.